Hello and welcome to Americano, the Spectator's USA podcast. My name's Freddie Gray. I'm a deputy and USA editor of The Spectator. And earlier today, I met Steve Bannon in a London hotel and we had a conversation about various things. Chiefly, is Russia a great threat to America or is it China? And the beginning, I asked him whether he thought the media were right to say that Donald Trump had sided with Russia rather than his own intelligence services about Russian collusion or meddling in the U.S. election. It's not, it's not meddling. There's two things. There's meddling and collusion. They're totally different. Meddling, I mean, Ted Kennedy went to the Soviet ambassador back in 76 and said, 78 with Carter, and says, you've got to help us beat Reagan. Mm. I mean, they actively looked for Soviet support in the 70s to stop Ronald Reagan. That is a historical fact. We printed in many books. People have talked about it. I didn't see the Democratic left up in arms about that. Mm. Ha- or do intelligence services try to meddle? All the stuff in the House Intelligence Committee, everything they showed about meddling, is all marginalia. Mm. Right? It Maybe DNC, all this, it's all marginalia. The thing of collusion, the central thing of collusion, they have absolutely zero. Sometimes, I think, the president and even the Financial Times of London... They conflate the two. Mm. They're two totally different things. Okay? Is it Russian meddling? Hey, yeah, maybe, and on the, but it's all marginal. Okay? And should the president have backed up his intelligence service? Yes, absolutely. Collusion, they found nothing. More importantly, though, don't look for the splinter in your neighbor's eye when you don't look the stake in your own. The crossfire hurricanes, everything. The, the, what's going to go on and blow up here? The, the move to impeach Rosenstein because of failure to uh, comply with those subpoenas that that Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows and Gosar and those guys is going to, as I've said now for six weeks, eight weeks, is going to cause another church commission. That is the that is the thing that should be investigated of what our security apparatus has done in that regard, including work with MI5 and MI6 to spy on and surveil American political figures, of which Donald Trump's not the first that you're going to find out. Yes, There's so- an apparatus in place and an agreement in place between foreign intelligence services and ours to review this. And by the way, that's all these subpoenas. This ain't Steve Bannon saying it. This is what these subpoenas are, are talking about finding out. This is what Crossfire Hurricane's about. So this, this is, is what, what you're saying is the deep state is globalist, right? This yeah, is, yeah. And, but it's not, it, I refuse to use the term deep state. Yeah. It's in your face state. It, <laughs> no, it is. It's, yeah, they, don't like make it. any, there's not, they don't make any bones about doing this. It's in your face. Look at Strzok's comments to the woman. They call, look what they call the Trump supporters. Pieces of shit. You know, you can smell them a mile away. I mean, the derision they hold for the American people is shocking. This IG report, too, remember, IG reports only the only his government, this is only off his government apparatuses. I turned over as a private citizen all of my electronics to mm. the FBI. All of it. Okay? I'm a witness of fact. I'm not a target. I'm a witness of fact. Right? I turned over everything. How come they haven't, how come Strzok, this is what I keep saying, there's got to be a special counsel. Strzok, Page, all of them have got to turn over all their devices. There's got to be there's got to be a real investigation here, and there's going to be. That's why you see in the House they're moving to. And I keep advising. I kept telling the president to fire Ty Cobb and John Dowd. Eventually, he did. And I said you've got to hold uh, Rosenstein accountable to the committees to, to comply with these subpoenas. And what he's got to do is is to enforce that. And I believe that if the House doesn't move rapidly, he's got to tell his deputy attorney general you have 48 hours. To put all, give them all this information, including all the documentation and the FISA warrants. Okay, all the FISA, all the FISA warrants and the renewals, including the ones that 
Rosenstein signed as deputy attorney general, which we know he signed a few. And you've got to turn over all the documentation. And if he doesn't do it in 48 hours, you're firing. And you're fully justified to fire him because you're doing the exact, this is not obstruction, it's the exact opposite. You're not telling them to send the documents to the Washington Post or the New York Times. You're sending them, you're sending them, telling them to send them to the, not to the White House, you're sending them to, to the House. Here's what this scandal is going to be. Number one, back when the Church Commission was done with all the CIA activity in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and the 70s, the Washington Post and the New York Times and the press were actually at the vanguard of investigative reporting that brought that all to the, to the front. We're going to see today, and, and the IG report says this many times, and the mainstream media will not report on it, mm. that Strzok and those guys had a working relationship with the press. They're taking them to ball games. They're going to cocktail parties. You haven't seen any exploration of this. The New York Times and the Washington Post are the comms department for this apparatus, okay? And that's going to be another part of this scandal. That's going to be fully, 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 fully vetted. And that's why I think that yesterday, could the president have been a little harder on the meddling aspect of it? Maybe that's a judgment call. But there's no collusion. There hasn't been any collusion. And, and Putin, I think Putin called him out and said, show me a fact of any collusion. And he got, he got crickets yeah. from the reporter. The other thing is Putin dropped another bomb that I don't know if it's what the veracity is. I know from doing Clinton cash that there's all kind of stuff about the uranium sale that's never been brought up. And they should have a – Jeff Sessions should have a special prosecutor on that. But he made this thing about Browder and the $400 million. Now – I don't know if that's true or not, but it certainly should be an area of investigation. I do know in Clinton Cash, we have not drilled down at all on um, on the relationships of the uh, of Clinton Cash and the, and the, the Podesta's brothers consulting firm, their relationship with this kind of uh, Silicon Valley and mm-hmm. all these uh, all these uh, guys. It all should be fully investigated. The uranium deal, etc. I mean, investigated by a special prosecutor with the power to issue subpoenas. I am the farthest guy from a conspiracy theory guy. I have been on day one from Breitbart and everything else. You know, I served not just as a naval officer. I then went back as a naval officer in the Pentagon. I had a, 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 a SITK clearance back then. I've had the fortune at Goldman Sachs and at the Pentagon to be able to sit in these rooms. I am not a conspiracy theorist. And here's the reason. It's in broad fucking daylight. Okay, there's no conspiracy. They're in your fucking face every day. And what upsets me is people treat these like conspiracy. It is these decisions are made every day. And here's the mouthpiece of it. And the Financial Times should be ashamed of themselves to make a fundamental error. This is not an error. Standing next to the Russian president at their first forum meeting, Mr. Trump called investigators special counsel in the allegations of Russian meddling. His investigation is not, has nothing to do with meddling. His thing is about collusion. That's why he got the thing. Not meddling. Meddling is a different thing done by the security agencies and the guys in the Hill. Now, there's been material up there about meddling, and my whole point is it's total marginalia, right? It's what I would normally, is what I would assume intelligence services are doing all the time, and we should be stopping that. And yes, it's not appropriate, but who knows even what our allies are doing in some of this regard. So, and, and Russia is not an ally, but I will say the president's defense. The central geopolitical issue of our time is the rise of China, okay? At some point in time, we have to, and I've said this from day one, and the president said it last August, the central thing for the United States is the defense of Western civilization. And it's part of that, Israel, Russia... Do you, uh, think, do you think a big scandal might be China's meddling in Western democracies? In the future? 100% of Chinese influence peddling. Look at Peter Schweitzer's... Do you think Russia is then a sort of distraction from a the... Totally, a total misdirection play. 
Let me, be, let me be brutally frank. Is that the apparatus at GAI that I helped Peter Schweitzer set up that did Clinton Cash? And this is one of the things that people on the right. There's no silver bullet that you see. Uh, you know, everybody wanted the video of uh, Obama, you know, praying on his prayer rug facing Mecca. Okay, or Hillary Clinton, or Hillary Clinton. Yes, the 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 or Hillary Clinton taking a bag of money from Putin. Okay, that what the right required was something like a GAI that could do the deep investigations that ProPublica does, right? That's what Clinton Cash shows that. Years in the making, the detailed nitty-gritty that showed the Clintons and the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton Global Initiative Mm. were completely corrupt and basically a influence-peddling operation and money laundering for the Clintons. That's why it had such power and that's why the mainstream media latched onto it. Peter Schweitzer, when we finished that, Okay, before I left to the Trump campaign years ago, we decided to take that same apparatus for its next project was what? Influence peddling by governments in, on Capitol Hill. Mm. Okay? And his book, Secret Empires, which is just as thorough as Clinton Cash, came out in the spring of this year. And what did it show? Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden taking, Biden taking a billion dollars for a hedge fund, which they had no competence in setting up with huge fees, and Mitch McConnell taking 30, 40, 50 million dollars of Chinese money, mm. okay? Crickets. I think, I, think he got one, I think he got one thing on Fox and that was it. Absolute crickets for the same team that did Clinton Cash. The influence peddling of China has been enormous, okay? And you can see it every day. And it's gonna become one of the great scandals going forward of what China has done to spread money around. You saw here recently Qatar. You saw the money Qatar spread around in this whole situation in the in the Persian Gulf, okay? With all the you know, this whole controversy about the Jewish community and the guys in Israel with Nick Muzin and Joey Alohan and others, which is a whole thing that's starting to break. You're starting to see with Qatar having spread it around uh, with basically certain, you know, lobbying firms, etc., to to pitch their to pitch their continual funding of radical Islamic jihad in Western Europe and the United States. Uh, you're gonna see the same thing with China. China has had a massive, and this is why I gave the interview to the Australian press the other day. Mm. Australia is an object lesson to Great Britain and to the United States. And in the United Kingdom, I call out David Cameron. David Cameron, what is David Cameron doing with the Chinese? What relationships he has with the Chinese? What money he's making off the Chinese? The great what kowtow, people call it. Yeah. Who? The great kowtow to China. Yeah. Thank you. I have, so, so, and I keep t- pointing people in the direction of Australia. The people in Australia thought they were playing by the rules. And what they found out 10 years later is that the Chinese had gone in and bought minority stakes in companies, had bought natural resource companies. Next thing you know, with the investments they made in real estate and real assets, etc., then took control of companies. Next thing you know, they got political power. They're buying politicians. And now Australia is in a situation, if you've read this book, Secret Invasion, it blows your, you know, blows your way of how creeping uh, control by China of an independent republic like, uh, like, uh, like Australia is dangerous. That's happening in the United States. It's happening in Great Britain. And these things ought to be fully accountable and fully vetted. What, what do you think it is? What is it a psychological issue that we are under the West is unable to no, no. to see you mean China? the threat of China and it prefers to focus on Russia, which is an economy. Let's talk about Russia. When I left, I, I was on sea duty in the Pacific on a destroyer built on British design, Spruance class destroyer, specifically built to hunt Soviet submarines, ASW destroyer to hunt Soviet submarines. Spent four years to see that. Came back to the Pentagon, special assistant, chief of naval operation, on the very day Ronald Reagan took office. Our sole focus in the Pentagon 
was the destruction of the evil empire. And I made a film about it years later off of Peter Schweitzer's book, Reagan's War. It was a convergence of a war plan to really take down the Soviet Union, which they thought would take 40 years. Okay? The, um, and at the height of that, and the height came, I think, in 83, and it was with Thatcher, and there was some sort of screw-up or whatever, but remember, we were like 90 seconds or two minutes away from launching on each other because of something with British intelligence, Thatcher, Reagan. Okay? My point. The, the height of the Cold War was not the Cuban Missile Crisis. It was Reagan-Thatcher against the Soviets in the early 80s. And even then, and I will tell you, being in the Pentagon and being at sea, we didn't hate the Soviet Union. I mean, they were an enemy. They were bad guys. It had to be taken down. But I never saw a virulent hatred. When I came back to really Breitbart to, to Washington, and we call it the embassy because it's like we feel like we're in a foreign capital, how how over the top the, the central globalist apparatus is in Washington, that the raw, I said, I can't figure out the raw hatred for Russia. I said, when I was at the Pentagon and then left for Harvard, I said, weren't there a million people in the streets of London demonstrating against the Persian missiles? Weren't there, weren't there two million people in New York demonstrating against the Persian missiles? They were all basically Soviet sympathizers, right? The whole snowflake left. Then now they were they were all rubbing up, loving up on the Soviets at the time. Okay, they don't want to be called out now, but they were Thatcher. Thatcher and Reagan were demonized worse. Well, I mean, I suppose Reagan. the criticism would be that Putin is running a criminal kleptocracy. And, and they weren't. That by the way, as he got gulags. That by the way, show me the gulags he's got. That's bad as the one Solzhenitsyn Nitz and talk about bullshit. I don't want to hear that. Is he a kleptocracy? Yes. yes. Is he cage? Are they but, bad but guys? But the fact is, when you have the are they bad guys? They're bad guys. I got that. They weren't worse than the guys running the gulags, right? Running the prison camps. Talk to the Roman Catholics. What did they do to the to the to the, to the cardinals and the priests? Okay, what did they do to the to the to the Jews? They had to, they forced them out and they left to go to Israel. Are you kidding me? There's no moral. By the way, these guys. It's a kleptocracy. Sure. I understand that, and they're not good guys. I understand that. However, the biggest thing, the reason they hate him, he's a nationalist. He's against the Euro project. And he's embraced the Orthodox Church. He is a, he, he's looked at as a foundation of the Judeo-Christian West in, that, in, the, in the secular humanist project. To de-Christianize Europe, okay, is part of what the Brussels Mafia and the Party of Davos. It's one of the things. And that's why they, that's the, ir, see, that's the irrational hatred of Putin. I can see that People despise his social conservatism, but do you think that you know the people in Brussels they're thinking about Putin's you know opposition to gay rights or something like that when they're when they're talking about his collusion with Trump? Do you think that actually affects them, or is it an unconscious? Okay, okay, brother. Here's where the phoniness is. When I was in the Pentagon, the war plan was you know it's called Air Land Sea Battle 2000. It was about deep interdiction in Eastern Europe to stop. The 20 divisions of tanks they're going to send across the Fulda Gap and through through Germany, they were a major military power, and and the whole thing was the defense of NATO. The NATO was everything, and that the war was going to be fought in the North German plain, like World War One and World War Two was going to come across, and that's where we're going to fight them. Mm. Okay, and there was all kind of coordinated interoperability and readiness to strike deep to cut them off. Trump on NATO makes a very important point: you're not a protector; you're supposed to be an ally. Look at your, let's talk Germany. First off, 20% of the German people by the polls or 25% will only fight for their country. Mm. Only 15% support the 2%. And she cuts a deal to get 70% of their energy 
natural gas energy from, uh, from, uh, from Russia. Trump goes to Warsaw. That speech in August is a seminal speech. He says, the central issue of our time is the defense of the Western civilization. And by the way, I'm throwing down here to tell you something. If you become captive, Germany, okay, by their energy resources, they own you and they control you just like they did in, in Ukraine when they cut it off. That's why Poland, the Visegrad countries, were available to put, liquefy natural gas. In a rational world, the mainstream media would have said the most provocative speech an American president has ever given on European soil, and I include President Reagan's evil empire speech, was Trump's speech to, to Putin. Remember. Who wrote that speech? Was that Stephen Miller? Was Stephen Miller and the team, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, but that's something, by the way, we've been playing on for a long time. It, to me, it was the most important speech outside the speech. He gave three important speeches in his first year. The inaugural speech, the Riyadh summit speech, and the Warsaw speech. If you want to see Trump's foreign policy and, what he, and he's lived up to those actions, he's, he's also seeing that, remember, we, we put a $30 billion infusion into readiness the first 60 days we were there on an old budget. $30 billion for readiness. Much of that for NATO, because so more down. In addition, we have, I think, a 12% increase. Many of the forces going to resupply NATO. Donald Trump has been the single best thing that's ever happened to the alliance, and here's why. It's not happy talk, all this John McCain highfalutin talk. He's there with the details, say, guys, it's, and, and this is what's very important from the thing last week that media didn't report. The readiness initiative that happened on Wednesday afternoon, Okay, which is the boring bits in the afternoon. That's something driven by the United States. We're sitting there going, the problem is not are you not at 2%, mm-hmm. and you don't plan to get there for 10 years. <clears throat> the problem is of what you spend, and let's take Germany as a specific answer, of the 1.2% or 1.1% you're spending, when you really look at the use of proceeds, and Trump's going through the details. You've got global warming and health care. You know, Germany has 128 combat aircraft. Seven are operable. Right? They, they can put up one brigade of combat troops. This mm. is a joke. What Trump's saying is it can't be a joke. I think and a lot of a, Europeans are quite relieved that uh, Germany's army is a joke still. I think every time okay, Germ- on, Germany's come on, had a... Come on, guy. If you can't get over that, then we're not, never going to get anywhere. I mean, they're either an ally or they're not an ally. Then they shouldn't be... They shouldn't. Okay, if that's the case, then they shouldn't be... The, the Euro, then you should... If that's the case in every country... If, no, that, well, if, that's, a, if that's the belief, then every country ought to be at the EU. It's not because right now, right now you've got an economic project that's the German project. You've yeah. let them control you economically. So you'd so like to marry that fe- project to, to hard power as well? I think, I think that the project ought to be individual nation states that maybe can balance. The, last, the problem you have today is not German militarism. The problem you have today is German free ride, right? They, want a total free, they control totally the economics of the situation. The whole Europe is the German project, right? Made, to, made, to, made for Germans' export, export economy, mm-hmm. right? Which they're, they're tonning it, right? To the degree they want to lend in 2 million... Uh, two million, uh, you know, no chain of title uh, guys from the Middle East to be you know, to be cheap labor, so they can own the the export industry even more to the demise of workers in England and in in Italy and France and and everywhere else. So I just don't know. Hey, like oh, Trump's been a great partner, and his point is, if German, if Russia's such a big enemy, if Russia's this boogeyman, where in the hell's your money? This is what's so blatant hypocrisy. This is what's so pissing me off about this. He comes over here and he's saying, hey, look, we got so many problems with Iran. Here's the thing. It's very simple. And I'm about to give you a static display on this. Now, we're going through the dark valley of the 30s. It's very simple. It's China, Iran, or I call it Persia, and Turkey. 
that's the that's this the is a pyramid hit. Yeah, 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 no, but it's really it's not the pyramid. It's really the the Asian landmass, the Mackinder. One belt, one road. They're connecting this right. The axis of the 21st century. What we fight today is China, Iran, and Turkey. That's why Qatar and this Persian Gulf thing is so big. This axis is so big. Now I'm going to to prove this. I'm going to go to yesterday's Financial Times, a random paper. Okay. Let's go to Monday, July 16th, Financial Times of London. Okay. We're going to go to the. We're going to go to the page six, the International. Okay. Step one. There's your pyramid up there. That's why I had to write it for a guy from 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 this very paper, <laughs> who's like, oh my god. Okay. Chinese banks seek more foreign partners. The reason is is that one belt one road. They can't. They they've put in so much state money into financing one belt one road, which combines all this. Right? Combines their totalitarian Confucian mercantilist system with political Islam. And basically, Shiite and Sunni, right, in this triangle, okay? This talks about how they need foreign capital now to keep driving one belt, one road as much as they are, okay? Over here, Beijing plays down made in China policy to woo investors. They actually say they fucked up, that they too much in, they were too public about what they were trying to do here. This is the ZTE thing also, in that not only are they trying to dominate advanced industries of artificial intelligence, advanced chip design, and robotics to basically take away advanced manufacturing from the West. But in ZTE, they're also trying to get off the, they're putting hundreds of billions of dollars of state money, subsidizing against the West, to get off of the the supply chain of the component supply chain from Western Europe and the United States. Okay, I'm just, this is number two. How much do you think North Korea is? It's actually being dictated by what the Chinese. So when when they're a vassal state. When Trump tweets about ZDE, he's he's that's because he realizes what he has to do with China to make them apply pressure to North Korea. The first the first thing that that North Korea went to, he got on his bullet train, the armored train. He went to Beijing two months ago, the first trip, and he saw the picture they released that he's taking notes. They released three pictures. One was Kim taking notes. Emperor Xi's talking. You know, the home office called him in for some consultation, mm. the regional sales manager, okay? And he's dictating to him, every picture you see coming out of North Korea, Kim's, the, 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 the army chiefs are taking notes, right? He doesn't take notes. He gives notes. He's in China taking notes. They're a vassal state, 120%. And Trump understands that with Pompeo. Mm. Here's the third thing. Erdogan stamps his authority on military. This is all about, and it's also about Chinese, the Chinese are doing the telecom system, a random company named ZTE is doing the telecom in Huawei, or doing the telecom system, providing all the telecom, and, and they're now se- selling all the stuff to Erdogan, as he, our NATO ally, as he now takes arms from, from China. And then, last but not least, oh my gosh, look at this. Isn't this an, another random article on page seven? Iran eyes Asia fight to protect oral experts. Tehran hopes to secure backing of China as fears grow for economy. They're basically saying, go fuck yourself on your uh, sanctions, mm-hmm. West. Because we got a partner. That partner's China. China, Persia, Turkey. This is the reality that we live with, okay? This is all in a paper that's owned by Japanese. Yeah, but uh, exactly. But my, my point is, it's just ra- I'm just picking a random day. You're just picking random news. Yesterday, yesterday, yeah. I, I said, let's just flip the thing. Oh, what do we got? It's all tied to this. Every day is the same thing. So, 
But if your analysis is right, do you think it's too my late? My analysis is right. I'm sure it is. But yeah. do, you, do you think it's too late? No, here's why. Okay, so it, it's interesting. Okay, so up until Donald Trump came on the scene, we were told by everybody in the city of London and in Wall Street that the inexorable rise of China is the second law of thermodynamics. It is, it's the physics of the universe, and nothing can be done about it. The only thing they ever mention is that you could take them off with the Swiss system, take them off the banking system, or limit their access to capital markets, of which the city of London and Wall Street would implode by 30%, and it'd be mass unemployment everywhere. So it was too much of a blunt force instrument. What Donald Trump's shown in the first year and a half, look at the tools we have. Look at the tools he's put on the table. Number one, tariffs, of it's the scale of the tariffs. He's talking about a half a trillion dollars, 50 billion down front, which is bigger than, we talked to terrorists in the past, it was $10 billion. Mm. 50 billion down, 200 billion that we're now doing hearings on, and another 200 billion, he said, hey, if you give me any back talk, or if you, give, if you, if you try to counter us, I got another 200 billion where that comes from. So it's the scale of it. And he's actually hinted there's more from that to come. Scale the tariffs. Number two is the 301s which is basically saying no more joint, the force, it's the key to the West is the force technology transfers. It's right. not the th stealing technology, which they do all the time. It's that to get access to the market, you have to turn a joint venture like Apple or Boeing, you have to turn over everything to them. And they know that we, they, can, they can basically copy our innovation until that time that they, they innovate with us and then we're finished, right? Because the innovation is the West, the magic, you know, it's the magic bullet. So the 301s, it shuts that down immediately. The third tool is ZTE, the, the, basically the, the executive actions. We know now, and this is why Xi is being criticized by the Deng Xiaoping faction inside of China. That whole article about, you know, Deng was keep your light hidden. Mm -hmm. You were out in front of everybody and too bold, okay? ZTE shows you that one belt, one, that made in China 2025 wasn't hundred billions of dollars just to leapfrog us to, to, for the convergence of advanced manufacturing. The key to it was to get off the component supply chain from Western manufacturers. They because it's there's 50 ZTEs. You can liquidate all of them in 30 days, and then he knows he's got a massive problem. He's you've imploded the major part of his economy. It shows you the it's the foundation of sand, and they know that. Last but not least, two weeks ago, Trump on the on the on the on the CFIUS review about investments in the United States, Trump proposes. Now he put it. He said, "Okay, we're not going to do it yet, so it's off to the side." But his thing was, if you have 25% Chinese ownership in a company, zero investment in manufacturing technology in the States, and what UK is going to go to also, no investment. I call it the Chinese takeout, because right now Wall Street depends upon China coming in for a second layer of financing, or to take you out of IPO, or to buy it strategically buy the company. So when you take that off the table, China can't get their money into the West, okay? And you've, then you've really limited their access to technology. My point, he's laid on the table five forces that if, if, if we were to go full on, because they've been in economic war with us for 20 years, if we were to go full on and pull the trigger on that and converge those all on a point, you bring them to their knees right now. What do you, the think, only the chance, question, what do you think the chances of that happening are? I think the chances of that happening are very low, and here's why. I think Wall Street and these other guys, I think right now people are saying, what impact does that have on the West? Donald Trump, here's the Trump doctrine summarized. In Great Britain, in Western Europe, in the United States, the elites, and when I call the elites, the managerial, scientific, engineering, financial elites, 
that run these countries have been in the process of managed decline. Okay? They, they, they manage a process to unacceptable outcomes to the citizens of the country. Okay? In the United States, whether it's the border and immigration, whether it's health care, whether it's our trade deals, whether it's Korea, whether it's Iran, whether it's China, you pick any topic. You pick any topic. And it's what we held up to Hillary Clinton is. They're all in the management of process, very professionally with all their experts, of continual decline. Donald Trump is saying, I think what his heroism is, is saying, hey, on my watch, it's going to be different. I don't know who's going to follow me, whether they're going to be Republicans or Democrats. But what I'm going to do, because I'm a business guy, I'm going to disrupt that. I'm going to step in the middle of that. You may not like my vernacular, my nomenclature, my actions. I'm not a trained diplomat. I blunt and to the point. But whether it's NATO or Iran or the Persian Gulf or the South China Sea or Korea or the southern border, mm. I'm going to step in and I'm going to get, I'm a, you know, that was the most important Jim, line. The most important line from his inaugural. We went through all the happy talk that had gone on and gone on. And then he had that line. Now comes the hour of action. Okay? Donald Trump's about action. And so it may not be pretty sometimes. It's a blunt force, but he's he's. But he's, I feel with the with the blunt force, a lot of people think actually it's a blunt force. Sometimes, in terms of his rhetoric, it's a blunt force. Sometimes, sometimes it's not. There's there's no sort of consistent substance to what he says. Well, I think that if you look at the actions, if you look at his Brexit interviews, but, but yes, I think directionally. Look, he's got a certain negotiating style. Yeah. Right. He's got a certain negotiating style. Um, all I can tell you is that contextually. Look at where it's driving to. It's driving to a solution. In Korea, he's now, I think we've identified that China caused the shots. We're, China's an economic war with us. We're trying to, you know, re, uh, rebalance that relationship. It's all going to be part of a geostrategic. And I continue to say the, the, the hot spot in, in East Asia, the hot spot, the world's number one troubled spot ain't the nuclear weapons in Korea as bad as they are. And they're, they're certainly a problem in his ballistic missile technology that the elites, Donald Trump didn't create that. That's the geniuses in the foreign policy community of everybody. Look the other way, kick the can down the road where he got 30 to 40 nuclear weapons and ballistic missile technology to maybe definitely hit, hit uh, Tokyo mm. and maybe hit Portland, Oregon, okay, in Los Angeles. So that's, you know, Trump's coming into the middle of this thing, right? The number one problem is the South China Sea. And, and you're going to see, you know, Obama looked the other way. The international community looked the other way. The, the courts did stand up and said it's not their territory, but everybody has looked the other way. That day is, fat, is, is, is quickly coming to a crisis, and that crisis will be in the next 18 months or two years max, okay? And, and in the Persian Gulf. In the Persian Gulf, you're, have, you're building to a crisis in the Persian Gulf, okay? This whole cutter situation. Which, because it talks about all the all the forces of radical Islamic jihad and the forces of Turkey in 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 Iran's influence, etc., are all coming to to bear on that. And so the world, I think, we're going through the dark, just like the 1930s. We're going through a dark valley. People say I'm apocalyptic. Hey, I just look at facts, mm. and I've been talking about this for years, and now it's all coming to fruition. That's why Russia, and Russia, the guy, the kleptocracy there are not good guys. But eventually. We have to end the Cold War, and we have to bring Russia into some sort of alliance or some sort of uh, rapprochement with the West. It just has to happen, right? It's it's it. We can't if Russia Does it have to be an alliance around Christian. No, but it has to be an alliance. Basically, if they if right now Pakistan's already in. If 
if Russia, if Russia partners with that access, this is, it's going to be, you know, the Dark Valley will not end well. Right now, we can take the 1930s as a lesson. What did those leaders do that could have avoided, you look at before the American Civil War, and you look at before World War II. What could leaders done to avoid those conflicts and have peaceful resolutions? Okay, we didn't do it in the we didn't do it in the Civil War, and we paid for it. We didn't do it for the in, in we didn't do it in the uh, in World War II. In the world loss, it was what two hundred million people, one hundred fifty million people butchered. Right, we're heading to a we're heading to a a a a, um, a, a disastrous, I think, outcome unless we unite now and focus on. And that's why we got to unite as the West with our Sunni Arab allies. That's why the Riyadh summit, two, the, the Trumps. Speech in Riyadh and Trump's speech in Warsaw show you what his overall strategy is for doing this. One of the less spoken about outcomes of yesterday's meeting with Putin, Trump and Putin, was a, it seemed to be reaching towards an agreement over Syria that could be yeah. very important. And that would involve, we think, the Russians putting pressure on the Iranians to pull out of Syria and, the, and Trump agreeing that America will get the hell out of there. So... That is quite an important development. Do you think that shows that Trump understands foreign policy in a sophisticated way? Yes, but here's the thing. Is or do I don't, you think I don't it's don't just what yeah, Israel wants? Let's, let's talk about managed decline. Remember, the single point of American foreign policy for 40 years or 50 years in the Middle East was to keep Russia out. On, on Obama's watch, Russia's in, right, with bases on the Mediterranean, etc. This is what's not talked about. It was the elite, it's the, it's the morning Joe crowd of David Ignatius and Richard Haas and wherever all these guys when Obama and John Kerry allowed, allowed Russia to get a foothold in the Middle East, which was against the central tenet of American foreign policy in the Middle East for 50 years, is keep Russia, ever since we got them out of Egypt with Nasser, keep Russia out, okay? The geniuses of the Council of Foreign Relations and all these things allowed Russia to go in. So now Trump is, yes. I think that at least he shows the fact that the expeditionary, the expeditionary force of Hezbollah, which is nothing but the power projection of Iran and the Persians, you know, have to be dealt with, right? And whatever deal they work in Syria is a deal they work in Syria. I don't know the details, but I do. I think Trump and the people around him are, you know, John Bolton and Mike Pompeo are very sophisticated people, and a lot of this is still from McMaster's and those guys. So it's it's not. How disappointed were you when Trump first launched missiles on Assad? I adamantly opposed that, and Trump initially adamantly opposed it. We were the only two in the room, I can tell you. We were the only two in the room in the situation room, adamantly opposed it. And when President Trump decided to do it, I still adamantly opposed it. First off, I've never seen absolutely today, and I think the Pentagon backs it up, was it absolutely 110% evidence that that happened. Also, the thing about the children. If you want to make it an emotional about the children, you know, let's let's you can go to sub-Saharan Africa and go all over the world. If we want to start looking, oh, at we're talking. Sorry, we're talking about children on the American border. Here. No, no, yeah. the children on in Syria. Oh, in Remember, Syria. the whole sorry. thing was, was about the gassing of the children. It was yeah. all the pictures. Of, yes, yes, of course. It was yeah. all you know, fa- you know, family members putting pictures in front of him of, of the gassing of the children. I just think that you got, and also being a naval officer and understanding cruise missiles. My whole point was, you're just falling into Clinton land. You're just doing pinpricks. I said they'll fly combat aircraft off that runway in 72 hours, which they did. To me, if you're gonna do it, go all in. If you're gonna do that, then go to, go, to, go to, like we did in Libya with Gaddafi, go to Assad's residence and drop them on there. If you're gonna go in, go in. Don't do a pinprick, because then we're just back to Clinton's foreign policy, where you do something, we send a couple of cruise missiles, people think it's, it's nothing. So virtual signaling intervention. It's, it's virtual signaling, and, yeah. and here's the thing that's changed. 
When I was in the Pentagon and I was in the Navy, our, we were a great power that took on a great power. What's happened today with the, and this is why it's not deep state, it's in your face. The security, that globalist security apparatus, we've now turned the American military into a humanitarian expeditionary force, okay? That we can put it everywhere to feel good, into nation build. I adamantly fought Afghanistan and another day in Afghanistan with just, I said we should have paramilitary, special forces, wherever we need to make sure the Taliban cannot launch in the homeland, okay? In the year, okay, I fought it to the day I left. And it was the day I left that they decided to, you know, they convinced President Trump to do it. In that one year, and I just put a film out with Eric Prince, a little five-minute film I'll get you. In that one year, we spent $62 billion in Afghanistan alone. $62 billion. The entire British, United Kingdom's entire defense budget, $61.5 billion. We spent $500 million more than the entire Brits spent on everything, including the submarine force, in Afghanistan in one year. And, and by the way, to the detriment of, look at that, the Taliban owns more territory than ever. My point is that this expeditionary, and that's to stand up a democratically elected government in Kabul that is absurd that we're, we're doing this, right? This is part of the, the globalist project. Okay, and it's got to stop. The, the deplorables don't want to pay the taxes to do that anymore. And more importantly, they don't. The two guys killed last week come from the kind of working class, right? That is the deplorables. The the, the the working class people in our country, whose sons and daughters die in the Hindu Kush, who serve in the South China Sea, who are on the 38th parallel in Korea, and a part of that 38,000 combat troops that that are basically the the front wave, uh, and the real fighters in Germany, because it ain't the German army. Why should it be kids from Mississippi and Missouri and the inner city of Los Angeles, you know, South Central LA and the inner city of, of Harlem and Brooklyn? Why should those kids be on, the, be on the tip of the spear in Germany when the German people are not prepared to defend themselves? Why, and, and why should it be Donald Trump being the bad guy? The, the, the behavior of, of particularly Germany and France is outrageous here. And particularly the lecturing and the high morals. Well, because I think, I think Macron is just as bad on this, right? I don't see any serious commitment. The French can put up one combat division. For as much as he talks about Napoleon, I don't see any real commitment from the French, right? The French, by well, the way, I mean, I don't, Donald I'm Trump... I'm not saying that I agree with yeah. it, but they've, they've been quite active in, in North Africa. They have, but not as, not as much as they have to be. Donald Trump comes out of that readiness. Here's the thing that Trump, that the media didn't pick up. He's 2%. You've got to meet your 2%. Before he goes to the readiness thing in the afternoon, when he walks out, he says, okay, here's the deal. Two percent now, not in ten years, and he's got this concept of an, of an arrears account that is two percent every year, and so like a thing he thinks like a back rent, which I li- I like it, and they and, and Merkel melts down about this. No, no, it's just aspirational two percent. He's saying no, it's two every year, and if you're short, it accrues. And instead of twenty twenty four, the threat it's got to be now. As importantly, he comes out of the radiance thing and says, "Hey, it's four percent. It's not two. We're at four point two. You got to be at four. And I think that you're going to have, I call that a partner's discussion. I think Trump's a hero. Trump has done more than any president since NATO was first set up with Truman and Marshall and those guys to, to revitalize NATO. And he's excoriated in the press as being destroyed. He's having a partner's discussion. It's no happy. He's not going to come over here, have happy talk about shared values. We have shared values. So just quick, when you hear him called a Russian asset, what's your... That's absurd on the face of it. Absurd He's done, First off, what did Obama ever talk about uh, cutting off? Russia is the size economy of New York State. Mm. 
Okay, and 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 I think seventy eighty percent of their of their revenues come from natural resources, from particularly natural gas. Trump in Warsaw, and then Trump here. But go, what I'm, what I, I no, no, go, go 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 back and look at the thing with Jan Stoltenberg at the breakfast. When Stoltenberg goes, oh yeah, but we trade. We always have trade relations. We trade, and Trump cuts him off. He says, I'm not talking about trade. I'm talking about energy. It's a different thing. He says, look at the Ukraine. He says, trade. You can trade all you want. But in energy, they control you, and they just like the Ukraine, they cut the energy off, and then you're you're at their beck and call. Trump is a is, and Stoltenberg admits it. He says in the breakfast, if it was not for you, we wouldn't even be where we are today of having guys pay up. The biggest pay increase, the biggest cash increase ever to NATO came last year because Donald Trump was was making a big deal about it. But I suppose what I'm saying is that if 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 we look at the the world the way you've just painted it. America and Russia have to be have to have natural strategic alliances against yes. the rise of China. Yes. So therefore, the, the, the West is now Russia. Is is what you're not the West is well, Russia, but they're, they're going to be the listen. West, they're, they're the size of New York State. Their economy is one. Their economy. Correct me if I'm it? wrong. The, the, the Texas. The, their economy is Texas and New York arguing about who's got a bigger economy. The <laughs> the, the, the the but their economy is at one point two trillion. I think is at one. Russia. What is Germany? Five. Mm. Is it five trillion? It's slightly bigger than Greece's, I think, the, the Russian. Yeah, slightly economy. bigger than Greece. But yeah. my point is that the, the Germany's three and a half or four times the size. Yeah, yeah. Russia's would be a partner, and yes, they have a big military with us like that. But it's it's not. They're they're it, the, what we can't do is have a, if they partner with China, with that in this axis, this axis is what's building every day. This is the this we're in the 1930s all over again. Yes. Okay. If we allow. A country in the West, and that Russia is a Western country. If we allow them to end up partnering with this with this axis, the world, the 21st century will be quite different if we don't. And I know that they're not good guys, but you know what? We deal with not good guys all the time. Sure. Okay. So the key strategic goal then for America should be to divide Russia and China. Exactly. One of them, and and to confront, to to stand up. You have to confront China, the economic war in China in the West. Brexit and 2016 are inextricably linked. It's why they're inextricably linked. And my, I've put this forward for over a year. I, I think say, a, lot of, a lot of Brits, and this is probably because we're cucks or whatever, but we, we like to think of sort of Brexit as a slightly more acceptable version of Trumpism. Yes. Yeah. But it, the reason they're linked, too, is the exporting of Chinese overcapacity and deflation help gut the middle and heartlands of, of things. Now, it's funny that well, they did, it came through Germany, but... Gutted the Midland heartlands of deindustrialized, deindustrialized Great Britain and deindustrialized the upper Midwest of the United States, and that is where you've seen the revolt. The revolt was in the Midland of, and particularly labor votes of Sunderland and places like this, and Reagan Democrats and Democrats. It's the same thing, and the reason is that the elites in the city of London and Wall Street shipped all the jobs over to Asia, got wealthy off it. They're the ones fighting it right now. This is what this whole fight's about. This whole fight is about we have to reindustrialize. And no, it's not the second law of thermodynamics. Those factories can come back and those jobs can come back with them. Okay? Do you accept that, well, trade wars may be winnable, they're not necessarily easy to win, and that we could go through an extremely dark period? If, if, I, think, if, I think that, I think that you, you're going to have some perturbations. China's been an economic war against the industrial West for 25 years, cheered on by the elites who made money out of it. In, in, in reordering trade relationships globally, you're going, to have, you're going to have some perturbations. But 
you're already seeing economic nationalism. I believe that the Federal Reserve, for the second quarter of this year, they will announce next week that I think the United States is growing at 35 or 4%. That's economic nationalism. The tax cuts are just starting to kick in. It's Trump getting investment back, getting jobs back to the United States. The same thing. Well, the people you call globalists would say that's all stimulatory and that America will pay the price down the line. What America is going to pay the price for is the is the spending bill, four point three trillion dollar. So you can't uh, to have uh, have the great tax cut we have and have Keynesian spending. I'm the first one to say, and I think the inflection point from Trump's presidency is when he realized he was sold a bill of goods by establishment Republicans on this four point three trillion dollar spending bill, the one point three of discretionary spending, which basically has us having trillion dollar deficits as far as the eye can see. But that was the establishment to put that on, not the deplorables. The deplorables wanted cuts. Okay, they want their wall and they want cuts. This was the establishment that foisted this upon him. Okay, that's got to be changed. He's already said he's not doing that again. He said he's never going to sign a bill like that again. That's going to be the big. That's going to be the big fight. I think on this election for 2018, draw a date of September 30th when the new appropriations bill has to go. I keep saying, if you don't get the wall, shut the government down. Let's play hardball now. We played hardball in 2013 when all the McConnell and these guys all melted down, when Cruz and Lee and those guys shut down the government over Obamacare. In 2014, we picked up, what, another 20 seats in the House? We had another big victory. People want bold action. You, we, can't, I, I agree, we can't have another spending bill like that. We have to rein in spending. We have a, you know, the, one of the issues with my, the great economic war with China is that Hey, right now they're financing, you know, two thirds of our or two thirds of our deficit. But as long as there's a search for yield, but right? They they is, have to. Is there an extent to which working class America would be on board with that? But there's quite a large section of middle class America. I mean, you know, I know middle class in America means different things, but that is actually quite comfortable. Still, it may be all based on debt. It may be all based on. Cheap, no, but it's still not. quite comfortable. I tell you what. I tell you what. You know, so Trump's, they're, they're, Trump. Will, no, no, no. Because, let me finish, debt, sorry, no, no Trump. because the middle class understand they're being eviscerated and gutted now. They're one. Che- they're one paycheck away from disaster. The middle class understands there's no net beneath them. Here's what we have right now. The bailout showed you in 2008. We have a socialism for the very wealthy. The the, the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve on September 8th, 18th of 2008 was 880 billion dollars. Mm. The day Trump took office, January 20th, 2017, it was $4.5 trillion. Basically, the elites, in a panic, just flooded the zone with you know, quantitative easing, flooded the zone, made up money to, to, to make sure we didn't have, an, didn't have deflation, didn't have an asset implosion. So if you own stocks, real estate, intellectual property, if you're an owner, greatest 10-year run in history, provided by the deplorables, divided by the taxpayers. Okay, The middle class understands there was no bailout for them. But Trump wants to make his next election slogan. I mean, it may be a joke, but I think he sort of means it. How's your 401k doing? Which is clearly an appeal to well, this, the middle classes this, who, who this, have this, equities. This, this, that's through pension funds. It, 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 it's, a nice, it's, it's been a nice benefit. It really has. But it's not to the central heart of the problem. The central heart of the problem is, and that's what this... But this wouldn't you say that's, how, that's the key vote for you going in next the time? Key, the key, the, by the way, for, the re-elect for Donald Trump is November 6th of this year. Yeah. Don't, this is not a midterm election. Get that construct out of your mind. The, the, the Democratic left has won one thing, and they wanted a do-over from 2.30 in the morning on the 9th of November when they lost. They wanted a do-over, okay? Mm-hmm. They could not accept the fact that Donald Trump's president. On this November 6th, they get a do-over. They do. It's an up-or-down vote. It's going to be totally nationalized. Trump's on the ballot everywhere. Okay, this ain't about your congressman. This is not about your senator. You vote 
You vote Republican and you save Trump. If you vote for Democrat, they're going to impeach you. If we lose the House, they'll impeach him right off the bat, right? And, and well, shut down his program with investigations and stopping of legislation. But, so it's imperative. This is a national election. This is going to be Trump's first reelect. But I think what you'll see certainly is the groundswell left, the really radical left, are, are thriving. Yeah. And in fact, that's what's happened in Britain. Yeah. It's what's happening in Italy. And that actually populism, I, the real triumph of populism could be the great rise of, of a serious left in of a, of a very socialist left in it's, it's, uh, by the way, advanced democracy. You know what? They, they can't, and the, the left will not deal with this. Is what I said in the Washington Post today about Elizabeth Warren not being a threat. Until the left, Bernie Sanders and the left and Corbyn get their arms around immigration, you must, to be populist, you must get your arms around unlimited open borders immigration. Why? Because it's used to suppress wages of the working class. It's just unlimited. It's unlimited. Why is the Chamber of Commerce the biggest pushers? of DACA and open borders and everything like that. It's a labor pool that's vast and unlimited, yeah. right? Why is Silicon Valley and all the great Wall Street, why do they push H-1B visas? It just lowers their cost of production, right? It's more competition for labor. That's why you must, the left is phony populism until you get control of immigration. That's why right-wing, listen, right-wing populism is different in the United States than it is here because we don't believe in the administrative state. The central part of Trump's thing is a piece of action for the little guy. Either better jobs and higher wages or some sort of participation in the entrepreneurial finance. That's different than what it's been to date in, in the continent. The continent still, the populists still want to grab control of the state. Okay? I think over time you'll see that. You'll see that stocked. Steve, thank you very, very much. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was uh, my conversation with Steve Bannon, who had to leave uh, quite abruptly, but it was very kind of him to talk to me for as long as he did. If you found that podcast at all interesting, you might find our other podcasts interesting. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a positive, I stress positive comment about how much you enjoyed listening to it. <laughs>